Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now we can hear more from uh, that health uh, committee hearing uh, last week. Uh, as we said, uh, the deputy chief medical officer Ronan Lynn was taking questions uh, from members. One of whom, John Lahart of Fina Fall, was wondering if the level of activity that we're seeing now is in line with the level five restrictions. Yes, there is. There is unquestionably more activity than there was last March and April. Um, One of the challenges in all of this is that a lot of the messaging hasn't changed because the basic premise of the messaging hasn't changed. The underlying issue hasn't changed, which is this this virus is dangerous. Uh, And the way to stop the transmitting is to get people not to come into contact with one another. Uh, That said, we we do have a behavioural subgroup who who do fantastic work behind the scenes on this. And we're expecting a a paper from them uh, at NEFIT next week, specifically looking at how to sustain uh, the high levels of compliance that we've seen over recent weeks. But I would say that uh, one of the key things uh, that, that they tell us is that uh, we need to be very careful about overemphasizing the very small minority of people who are not adhering. And Fianna Fáil TD, John Lahart uh, joins us now. And a very good morning to you and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. It was a, a long and interesting meeting. Uh, Roland Lynn there, one of uh, the people before your committee last week, uh, but keen to emphasise uh, that he didn't want to make too much of a, a deal about the few people who are breaking the guidelines. Why is that, do you think? Morning, Michael. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Um, yeah, it, it was uh, a wide-ranging interview and uh, I think the questions were pretty frank and, and robust. Um, I live. I live actually. My constituency is Dublin Southwest, so I live very close to the M50. And one of the remarkable differences between this level five and level five last year um, was the M50 became like a country road. You could literally hear individual cars, and that was at like peak traffic time. Um, this morning, it's buzzing. I know there are figures up to, suggesting that there's sixty percent. Uh, of traffic still moving. Um, I'm not sure where they're going. Uh, clearly, people are going to work. Uh, but there's a huge volume of movement. Now, I know in the city centre, in around Leinster House, it is barren and uh, desolate, so the city centre is quite quiet. Uh, while I was waiting for the call from you there, I had uh, uh, another email, one of a number I've had in the last few days. There's a local building site. It was actually the, the, the site of the former late... Liam Cosgrave's home, and there's still activity on that. Um, uh, the the rules governing essential works are, seem to be uh, quite loosely interpreted. Um, but if I could broaden the, the, mm. the, the question a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, this situation, even since last Friday when we met the the uh, the Neffet and the deputy CMO, uh, is evolving really quickly. Um, we can see that, uh, okay, the figures have come down somewhat. 
But I think if we look back compared to what we know now and what we know last year in relation to uh, the virus, there are variants. Um, with the UK and the South African one, a layman, I suppose, could make an educated guess and suggest there'll be more. The South African one, there are suggestions that maybe it is a little bit resistant to the vaccine. vaccine. Mm. There is also, we now have a vaccine. Uh, We know, too, that there are some issues with the rollout, although I know even surrounding the news without the AstraZeneca one, that their supply, as promised for February, will be delivered, as promised, but it's Mm. from March on. Uh, that there w- will be issues. And remember, this was the one that was going to be the game changer because it was going mm. to facilitate GPs and pharmacists to roll it out. And there's important information with that because I think the over 70s were expecting that uh, their timeline would be pushed out and they wouldn't get vaccinated until March. But it, it seems as though they will get vaccinated in February. There will be enough vaccine for them, but it's in March that there will be problems. Yeah. And then there is just, you know, let's go back to what Mike Ryan was saying about the vaccine, it's becoming clearer to me um, that the vaccine is just another tool. There may be uh, mutations that are resistant to it. So it doesn't mean that we're going to be, I think, uh, out through the gap and free, even when we're all vaccinated, which is, you know, I, I suppose, contrary to what we anticipated, we thought that the vaccine was going to be the silver bullet. Um, so to some degree, the living with COVID response uh, to uh, the pandemic, I think, needs to be reviewed and refreshed. Um, I do agree that there needs now, we need to look at a, a more bo- much more robust right. response to it. Um, it seems to me that this virus can only be dealt with in one way, and that's trying to defeat it. Uh, living with it hasn't worked. That's nobody's fault uh, at all. I support all the measures that the government has, has done, and in fairness to the government and to Michal Martin everywhere, they turn... There's an issue, you know, the vaccine roll that happened and there was the Pfizer interruption, there's the AstraZeneca interruption. Um, and your committee is to talk about vaccines, I think, next week. Uh, but, That's right, yeah. But but you were asking about the vaccine and that uh, list and how people are, are prioritised. And you were wondering if school teachers uh, and special needs assistance uh, could be prioritised higher than they are currently so that we could get the kids back to school. Yes. Now, and I know that my colleague uh, Norma Foley has written uh, to Neffet in relation to that. Obviously, if school teachers and SNAs are prioritised, uh, that discommodes another group, and that's a matter for the, the public health officials to deal with. But I do want to go back. I think the situation is changing. Um, I have, if I can tell you, I have a, like all of us have relations spread across the world. You know, I was talking to my nephew, godson, in Melbourne on Saturday night, and he really took my breath away. Um, I would talk to him regularly, but I suppose hadn't looked for an update, and I just asked him, look, what is daily life like for you there now? Uh, pubs are completely reopened. Um, 50% of private sector workers are back in their offices. Schools went back to school today uh, after their summer holidays. Restaurants are open. You can have 30 people into your house. Hmm. So they locked down really hard. 
Yeah, and it was really hard. As international tennis players know, absolutely, uh, they're they're giving out stink about having to stay in hotels with security guards for a fortnight. Yeah, uh, and that's a, a question that we're looking at now. We're starting to look at it, but there's all these problems about freedom of movement in, in Europe. Uh, there's uh, the border, uh, people flying into Belfast, and uh, if a two island uh, approach could be taken, uh, and so on. Uh, it's an issue that was discussed at your meeting. Uh, what did uh, Roland Lynn have to say to you about that? Yeah, well, I suppose even since Friday that that has moved on. I mean, we have to, you know, I'm a I, I'm a Republican. This is one island, and um, we spent the last four years in the context of Brexit trying to prevent the reintroduction of a border. Does that uh, mean that you can't have uh, checks either side? Because there, are, you know, there are guarded checkpoints that in every county in Ireland at the moment uh, trying to combat uh, coronavirus. But I think. Uh, I just think we're at a stage now where we, where we know things, um, where we, from a personal level, it's not a, you know, I say this just as a constituency politician mm. rather than a member of a government party. I think we need to take take a long, hard look at our strategy. Um, Australia locked down, and it was for almost four months, but they didn't have a vaccine. And by the way, Michael, they haven't started rolling the vaccine out yet. You know, they're sitting, they're waiting, they're watching. They're going to begin rolling it out in February. So they also see that the vaccine isn't the be-all and end-all solution to defeating uh, Mm. the virus. And I think it's becoming more clear, as I said, with the various variations that come along. And some may be more resistant to the vaccine or not. That's for health officials to say and scientists. Um, It seems to me that a much stronger approach needs to be taken. We wouldn't have to do it for four months because now we have what Australia didn't have in, in July. We have a vaccine to help us um, because if we don't um, there is no end game in sight really in relation to this um, the virus has shown is very resilient um, and seems to respond only to pretty robust uh, uh, challenges um, and I suppose the lesson I've learned in the last week from talking to you know being on the health committee and those responses um, I, I, I just don't think li- clearly living with COVID, you know, has worked to a degree. Um, Christmas showed us with the UK variation coming in, mm. uh, and with other factors, the numbers absolutely and completely unexpectedly uh, and in an unpredicted way just spiraled. Who's to say that something like that can't happen again? We'll just say the South African virus is resistant mm. to uh, the vaccine. Well, we're still there living with the concerns. in the UK. You know, mm. how do we stop it coming in here? I, I just think we mm. need to stand back, take on board what we've learned in the last number of months, and particularly in the last year. Look who has made a success of it, how they've made a success of it. Um, because the life and the daily life circumstances and conditions that my nephew spoke to me and outlined in Australia mm. is as close to normal as you can get. The big disadvantage for him is he cannot come home mm. uh, for the foreseeable future, so that's a big loss for him. I think a lot of us have forgotten what normality is. I say, I think a lot of us have forgotten what normality is. That's what took my breath mm. away. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. just uh, the description of mm. essentially going about their daily 
lives. Now, yeah. the lockdown was very severe, but remember, they didn't have the vaccine. Connor Faulkner earlier in the programme mentioned something about sitting on a bar stool, and I asked him what a bar stool was. Uh, but well, uh, we're can, still. I think is the question people are asking nowadays. Exactly, yeah. We're still living with the consequences of how the virus got out of control. We are uh, going in the right direction in terms of uh, flattening uh, the curve, uh, but uh, more people are going to die uh, because of uh, the lag. And uh, Tony Hulan has said that 750, maybe a thousand people could lose their lives to COVID in the month of January alone. It's a, an incredible yeah. and horribly historical yeah, position that we're in. A little bit in the, in, the, in the present argument and the discussions that are going on that a significant number of people um, are dying. Mm. Um, so I think there's, you know, cabinet discussions going on today and tomorrow. Uh, obviously, there's, you know, political contributions being made by opposition and government members. I think now is an opportunity to look at that document, Living with COVID. Um, uh, some of it, you know, just doesn't apply now, knowing what we know now. Mm. And I go back and repeat those points. The vaccine isn't to be all and end all. Last year, we thought, great, you know, roll on the vaccine. That will be the solution. It is a part of the solution. I think that's very clear. Uh, it is, secondly, we know that there are variations that may challenge its efficacy. Uh, that's the other point. Um, and we have issues that we didn't anticipate, even with the vaccine rollout. Mm. So if we want to get to a life that's worth living, uh, my own view, uh, to be frank, is that it is worth looking at one last hard lockdown, uh, except we probably wouldn't be looking at the same length of time as the Australians were looking at because we have the vaccine. They didn't. They did all this without the vaccine. They got to zero without mm. the vaccine and they're still at zero. My nephew mm. made a really mm. interesting point. He said, I've stopped listening to the daily figures because I'm pretty sure they're going to be zero. Yeah, well, we're talking about the schools. I'll go back till St. Patrick's Day, at least that's what the Taoiseach said. We're talking about restrictions into the middle of the summer, maybe even the end of the year. We're all going mad. Uh, talk to me a, a little bit more about bar stools or weekends or, or whatever. Uh, you gave a, a speech in the Dáil before Christmas, uh, and it, it really was a, a wonderful speech. Uh, we listened to a, a recording of it on the programme, uh, and uh, people were very taken aback. Indeed, it was a lot of praise for what you said and how you said it uh, from uh, your colleagues and uh, opposition members in uh, the Dáil for that matter because you were talking about the mental health impacts. Uh, People will remember that you were talking about uh, having special Christmas lights and trying to celebrate Christmas differently but you were were focusing really on how this was impacting on our our mental health and what we could do to cope and uh, to uh, look after our mental health. What are your thoughts on all of that today? Yeah, that was very much an off-the-cuff kind of Thing. I, look, my background would have been as a psychotherapist, and one of the interesting things I learned over the years is we tend to associate, <clears throat> generally associate loss with loss of a loved one. Um, you know, when someone close to us dies, um, loss applies to an awful lot more things than that. And uh, it, it amounts to, if you look at it in the COVID context, loss of, loss of employment in some cases, loss of family contacts, loss of hugs, I think was one of the points uh, I made loss of status, loss of freedom. I mean, you get to just keep accumulating. But one of the key things uh, is associated with loss and grief. The most underestimated response to loss and grief is anger. Um, and people are often surprised that anger is uh, one of the kind of responses that people normally go through in relation to, you know, when they've lost things. So if you add up all the little accumulated losses that people have experienced in the last year, 
they, uh, even aside from if they lost a loved one, but just all the other losses, they're really, really significant. People are fraught. Um, they've been, we're all diminished uh, to a greater or lesser extent. Um, and one of the things I was reading something over the weekend, someone had sent me uh, a poem and it was about kind of looking to nature. And, you know, the bizarre thing, Michael, is that nature seems oblivious to the virus. The point that the poem was making was that the sun rises every morning and, and sets every evening. The birds, the rivers, the seas, the fish, they're still doing their things completely oblivious to the virus that we could, you know, try and learn something from that. Take control of what you can take control of. That's all you can do. Try and live your life as best you can. Um, as I said, looking at the sun, just getting up and doing what you can do. I'm fortunate I have a job to go to and a workplace to go to, and I'm very privileged, and I really do um, uh, appreciate that. But I'm also very aware that there are people living on 350 euros a week for a long, long time. There are people with special uh, children with special needs or additional needs, and indeed adults with additional needs living at home who've had very little respite for the last year. Those circumstances... Um, are particularly fraught. And uh, anything that we can do, I'm just after coming off a meeting with the community health people, they arranged it for Rockless members for Dublin, for our own region, and the interventions they're making, they're, they are doing remarkable work and have done remarkable work in the context. Okay. We'll leave it there for the moment. Thank you very much indeed uh, for taking My the pleasure. time to speak to us. That's uh, John Lehart, who's a Fianna Fáil TD for Dublin Southwest. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.